Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Today's guest, Rick Lawson, is a man with a big heart. He's overcome so many different challenges in his life to this point from his parents' divorce when he was seven, not having his dad in his life very much at a younger age, but also wonderful moments, having a stepfather that being such a positive influence on him, overcoming things like losing best friends, job challenges, career setbacks, business collapses, divorce, and all the way through using his communication skills and his ability and, and desire to find creative solutions. He, he's been able to overcome so much and share some of those solutions through this chat. He's got a passion for sharing more of this positivity with the world. Let's get to the chat. Hi, everyone, and please welcome this week's guest, Rick Lawson. How are you, Rick? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. It's taken us uh, a while to get this going. We've had a few setbacks at both ends, and even just now jumping on some technical issues, but we think we're pretty good now. And uh, just judging by the quick chat we had before we jumped on, there's going to be a heap for us to talk about today. You, I want to start just with something you just mentioned just then before we um, hit record. And you said you were in a marketing business, but your the whole pandemic thing kind of shut that down. Yep. This is something that a lot of people will relate to the the impact that had. So, tell us a little bit about that business and and how that sort of unfolded and went downhill. Yeah. Well. Um- I was very uh, excited uh, to have, it was kind of, I'm I'm primarily a general contractor, um, but I had a side gig in a marketing, social media marketing business that uh, the genesis of it was that I had a very good friend that owned another marketing agency. Uh, He didn't like social media and all of that. I loved it, had been doing it, you know, since 2007, I'm kind of a peacock. And uh, uh, so uh, I immediately uh, started handling all the posting for his clients uh, through his business as a freelancer. And then he uh, took on a partnership that uh, involved adding more people and he didn't need me to do that. So I hung my own shingle out there as Rick, the marketing guy, and yeah. I developed my own uh, small business clients, uh, hair salons, uh, other uh, roofing companies, restaurants, things like that. Um, and quickly built a nice little side business that was bringing in about 60000 a year extra income um, nice. that I could count on. And it, it could kind of damp, uh, dampen the seasonality aspect of my roofing company. 
And um, and so I was happy to get going. And then we all got hit by the pandemic. And the result of that is that uh, uh, I had three clients that went completely out of business and all the rest of them um, basically uh, when, when you a lot of small business owners, the first thing they cut is spending money on marketing um, yeah. when they're when they're scared or they're perceiving their business is falling down. And yeah. so they're, they're like, well, my daughter can do this uh, posting or whatever. So that income just dissolved away. And all the while we were having uh, challenges in the contracting business because all of our voluntary business, people who might be wanting to remodel their kitchens or bathrooms or whatever, they put it on a hold. And so it was a really, really rough time for sure. Mm. And a lot of people yeah. can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. So how did that how did you deal with that mentally through that time? If it's this thing that you'd built, it's like a recession proofing your, your other business or offsetting it. And yeah. then even your actual, your core business starting to struggle as well. Like that must've had a, been a real um, yeah hit to you from a mental and emotional perspective. Well, it, well, it was, I mean, it, it created fear obviously because, you know, I have a big family. I have uh, five sons, um, and my wife is disabled. So, you know, I'm the sole source of income other than a little small government disability that, uh, that she gets basically covers her, her medical stuff. But, um, I don't know, you know, I, have always had the perspective that, uh, my outcomes are firmly in my own hands that if I, uh, that, I, that to the extent that I can be creative, um, motivated to find the answers. You know, I think part of being an entrepreneur personality is that you find the answers to the questions. Hopefully you're asking the right questions. For me, it was, uh, I, I think I believed everything was going to be okay because I had already, you know, kind of suffered the ups and downs before, which led me to the marketing business. So it just, I just began to try to figure out ways to increase the footprint of, of my business that was working, kind of put the marketing thing on hold um, and just keep moving forward. I mean, it's, it's uh, when I was a kid, I loved uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky movies and uh, you know, he'd, he'd get hit and go down and, and get back up and, you know, ain't so bad, ain't so bad kind of thing. We all seen the movies, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've, I really, that really resonated with me with dealing with whatever challenges I had. I love that. And you, you talk about that time in a quite a matter of, fact, matter of fact way. And I imagine that's a lot to do with the rest of your backstory, right? You'd already overcome some really challenging times. Yeah. So that does definitely steal you for these other moments. And I, I found the same. It was a, it was a setback to me for business as well. But after a, having to do a, almost a complete not a complete change of direction, but a, but a change of direction. It's like, yeah, just get on with it. You just got to get on with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your upbringing. Mm -hmm. When you're explaining the, your, your journey, I can see how some of these things that unfold in your younger years have definitely influenced the, the impact in your adult years. So Tell us a little bit about that time where you said you're experiencing your dad's divorce and, and then not being a big part of your life from quite a young age. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, my parents divorced when I was seven and, you know, lots of people go through divorce and, and, um, but, you know, everybody's experience of that 
is unique to them. And, you know, no matter what, what level it, it impacts you, you know, that's the appropriate level for it to impact you. You know, for me, uh, parents divorcing at seven meant that, you know, I built an incredible relationship with a mother who was strong, who was a single mother who didn't have any support from my father at all after the divorce. Um, and yet she carried on, worked full time, raised myself and my, and my sister. And just to this day, she's 83 years old. She lives two and a half miles from me. She's still one of, uh, one of my best friends. You know, I, I can, I love saying that about my mother. Um, yeah. but it, it did leave a hole in my life of, uh, you know, dad was not there and, and boys want their dads. And, um, yep. You know, uh, fortunately, my mom put other good men in front of me, um, you know, and she had other male friends that would step up and, and kind of mentor me. And that kind of early on opened my heart and mind to mentorship um, and hopefully paying it forward in, to some degree with other people today. But there was a loss, a, a huge loss. And, and because you know, I grew up uh, through school, uh, middle school and high school, kind of undersized and insecure. You know, I was a music guy. Um, I, I valued athlete, athleticism and all of that, but I didn't really have the genetics for it. And uh, <laughs> although I, I fought through that later in life, I, you know, I lift weights and take care of myself now and I feel great. And, and uh, you know, uh, and that, that's been a good thing. But but yes, the, uh, so that I felt that loss. And then uh, five years after my parents divorced, my mom remarried. My stepfather, great guy, uh, took, uh, took care of the responsibilities of, of taking care of our family. But he was kind of a stoic, unemotional or emotionally unavailable kind of person. I'm kind of empathetic and, you know, a feeling of value feelings and, and all of that. And, and, uh, and then on top of that, he was very accomplished. He worked for NASA. He was an artist. He was a musician. Um, he built cars, uh, restored, wow. a, uh, did a frame off restoration of a 64 Corvette that he had bought new. Um, yeah. And he, everything he touched was like amazingly great. And so here I was kind of growing up feeling like, you know, I, I can't do anything really well. And, and right, you know, in my own home, I had this guy that the, the standards he set were just, you know, I mean, he had got a doctorate degree, all kinds of things, you know? And yeah. so uh, carving out my own place or, or trying to emulate someone that, that was going to help me grow into becoming the man that I wanted to be, it was it's still kind of difficult, even though I had this guy right there loving me, you know? But yeah, yeah. there was a lot of pluses, too. I mean, he led me into music, too. I'm a musician also because of him. And and uh, I play music professionally and and uh, as well. And uh, and that's that's because of what he introduced me to. And uh, so but anyway, um, I think, I, you know, it ties together somewhat that I've experienced loss and disappointment, but always moving forward, seeing that whatever bright side of that, that there was to be found, I think is, was kind of the roadmap for me to handle any kind of disappointment leading all the way up to COVID, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, uh, you mentioned there being that uh, empathetic uh, youngster and, and really needed those emotions and, and having that stoic dad and, 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 
putting them on a pedestal of how amazing they were. This is something that I've had conversations like it's been similar to my own journey in a lot of ways and also conversations I've had with a lot of men and they're like, and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if there'd be anything that, that I might have to work on around my dad because he was all this and he was all this. And it's like what you described then, what I've experienced is that's this high expectation, this high bar. So they don't necessarily have to have done anything negative, but we then go, we aspire to be like that as kids. And then we never right. feel like we can sort of meet up to that. And that pressure of performing and, and continuing to do better to somehow meet that level. It's amazing the, the, the weight that we create within ourselves around these things that we've experienced. Right. Well, and, and I think too, that, you know, a lot of times people who accomplish things, great things themselves, surprisingly kind of minimize uh, how difficult that might have, I mean, it's not, it's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's, they, they have a sense that anybody can do what they they've done. They're minimizing their own achievement in a sense. Right. Yeah. So as a parent, they're like, well, you can, you know, you can be anything, you know, you can do anything. Well, that's somewhat true, but I'm never going to play for the NBA. I'm never going to be an NFL superstar. I'm not going to play in Carnegie Hall, even if I'm a great musician. So you do have to, you know, there are some realities that we all have to face. And I think that, that what was a little bit of a struggle was to see him doing really good things that, you know, the other part of it was I was seeing things that had spent, he had spent decades learning how to do and developing and growing into. And I was a kid, you know, and um, so I have my own journey and my, my own, and you know, a, a cake needs time to bake, you know? So, yeah, but the yeah. other thing was, is that I had a tendency to see the differences in he and I and somehow devalued what, what my differences were. And I, over time I learned not to do that. You know, I've, I, we all have, strengths and weaknesses and they serve us or don't serve us in so many different ways. You know, my, my dad, I wrote a song about him, about, uh, there was a song lyric that, um, my dad, uh, uh, he looks for heaven in a 327. Uh, oh, she's fine. But, uh, but her heart's made of steel, you know? And the idea was, is that my dad didn't, didn't experience the emotional connection that I did in relationships to all his life, he, he didn't. He ended up divorcing my mom. He never had a, a really a connection uh, that was really saw. He was lacking and lonely, you know, mm. even though he was so accomplished in so many different ways. And so it's kind of like you start seeing I can value other parts of who I am. And they, they may, I'm a, you know, I'm a good father. I'm a, I'm a good husband. You know, I work at it. And but part of that is I love that feeling, that emotion, that hug and, and, you know, that I get from that. And maybe I'm not the richest guy in the world or the smartest guy or the most accomplished, but those are accomplishments, you know, in their own way. And I think that my dad, you know, later on, he would, he would say that he valued the things he could see the things that I valued and that he wished that he could, he could be some of those things that he had been more some of those things. You know, and that was powerful. Those were powerful conversations in the end, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you raise a great point around like what we value. I remember learning that 
the fact that I'm a conversationalist could actually be value in an office environment where what was valued was sitting in front of a computer and working hard and doing long hours and also those sorts of things. And it's like, oh, wow, like things can actually be different. And they're such pivotal moments, right, particularly for those of mm-hmm. us who are more that way inclined. So for you, what were you once you had that realisation and you started to see more of your value and what you could bring and, and be able to see how your uniqueness was valuable, what did that allow you to go and do that perhaps you hadn't been able to do until that point? Well, you know, it's so funny. I was, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this recently, um, okay. that, you know, one of the, I interact with homeowners all the time because I'm either selling them a roofing job or a flooring job or, or something like that. And, and many times, you know, I, I, because I value connection and, and being empathetic and learning about people's lives, I go into these homes and I'm, I'm finding, I'm utilizing what I'm good at which is, which is being conversational and sitting down with someone and caring. Um, and it's helping, it's helping my business. You know, I'm, I, I remember when I first started in the contracting world 25 years ago, um, you know, I'd never been a contractor before. I'd worked in corporate America. You know, I've been a customer service rep or a regional sales manager. And now I was in the, you know, the manly testosterone world of contractors. And, and I didn't, again, here I was again, kind of, you know, I'm great at sales, but I'm not, you know, I, I, I felt had, I had an insecurity about, you know, I'm not like other contractors who were, you know, might've been rough guys or, you know, but then I started over time learning that, well, they're not as good at interacting with the customer. You know, know, I can be the guy that gets the jobs and and help those subcontractors who may not have the the people skills get work. They're expediting work for me that I learn how to do and and uh, and and supervise, if you will. But and but kind of facilitate communication between everyone. And so that's more that's my skill set, you know solving problems, being customer service oriented. And that is serving me well, owning a contracting business, even though in my own mind's eye, I didn't look like every other contractor I'd ever met, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. I imagine though you were a uh, breath of fresh air to many people though. Because, I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's because like anything that's different and, yeah. and more positive, then that's going to be something that uh, connects with people. I, I imagine that's what would have been the case with your marketing business as well as the ability to hear them, to listen yeah. and communicate well, and then actually deliver on what they've asked. Well, and I got into marketing because I was frustrated. I'd been doing my own marketing for years because I just got frustrated with, you know, so many smoke and mirror marketing, you know, <laughs> pitches at me yeah. um, that I, I'm going to learn how to do this myself. And, and I just found that I love the creative part of it and, and uh, you know, doing on camera stuff and all of that. And then, um, you know, I, I knew that lots of small business owners felt the same way. They wanted, it wasn't about going to create this great side gig for myself and making money. It was trying to bring a solution to people and, and, and just in the back of my mind, believing that the more value you bring to people, the more money there is, you know? Um, so yeah, that was certainly a part of it. 
but yeah, yeah. you know the genesis of was i wanted to do, to bring something good you know i could jump right back into marketing again but because of ai and all of that i'm i'm you know i see the writing on the wall i mean the uh, ai can create better facebook posts than i can right now chat gpt and and uh, the the imagery i mean in 5 years you're not going to see little small players uh you know running little side marketing businesses you know I don't uh, think maybe I could maybe. be wrong. No. <laughs> you know? It's uh, I heard it described like this It's like the computer. People were saying the same thing about the computer and yeah, the, and the response, the response was it's like garbage in garbage out. If, if yeah. you're feeding it, if you're asking it poor questions and giving it poor guidance, just communication is still the key, right? Right. So, so I, I use it to, to condense things and, and to, to be able to, yeah, like speed up the process. Well, but you could certainly it, scale to uh, better while you're still overseeing, you know, the heart and spirit of of, of what you're doing. So I, I, I see that, too. But it's yeah, just, yeah. you know, I have to make choices. You know, I'm, I'm 61 years old. Um, yeah. My my uh, uh, contracting business is, is going well. And, you know, my long term play is to get involved in, in real estate. And so I can't spread myself in too many too many things. I'm glad I did it for a while, but it's not where I'm going to stay, you know. No, and and really, no matter what you go into, it's going to be a valuable asset. True. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, you said you went from from having that experience, and then you had some sort of big moments, really big moments in your adult life that that were of loss and and impacted you. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened with your best friend's uh, yeah. passing? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I attended a church and, and played the piano um, on the worship team for the church. And we had a, a worship leader um, who was, he's just a year older than me, um, who died of cancer at 49 years old, had non-Hodgkin's non lymphoma, passed away 11 months after he was diagnosed. Um, and it was, uh, Kevin was like a brother, uh, the brother I didn't have. And, and, um, not just, uh, not, not just as a, a pastor, uh, you know, church member relationship. He really was my friend and, and we, we hung out to his wife and, and our, uh, as couples, we hung out and he kind of, uh, he, he was a huge impact in my life, uh, my personal relationship with, with God in terms of, of really uh, understanding more of the personal relationship with God. But it was like, it wasn't so much like a biblical thing or a, a religious thing, because I'm not particularly religious, actually. I'm, I'm a spiritual person more. And just yeah. Kevin just lived a, a life of uh, that... Uh, that you could just feel that the, the, the kindness of his heart and the love of it in his heart. And you knew that it was coming from somewhere else. And, and I, having him die was, uh, was just brutal for me at the time. It, it took, I, I couldn't talk about it for eight years without crying every time. I mean, it just, and, and, you know, you know, when I was 17, I used to ride to school. I had a buddy that I rode to school with every every day and he died rappelling off a mountain wow. when we were 17. And so that was my very first experience with death. And, um, and, you know, nobody else 
close to me ever died until I was 26 when my grandpa died, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Kevin was full of life. We were full of life. You know, uh, we, we had a lot of plans um, involving our music. Ke- Kevin was a Grammy award winning songwriter. Um, wow. he, he wrote a song called I Call You Faithful, which was recorded by Donnie McClurkin, which had a lot of chart time. But, but we, you know, we were thinking about maybe going on tour or doing some stuff and then he got cancer and, and it changed a lot of things. You know, it, um, I think that, that even that, that relationship was kind of, kind of kept me on track where I wanted to be, in, you know, in terms of, of life and, and my relationship with faith and, and just the decisions I was making. And, and when Kevin died, it was, uh, I wasn't as strong a man that I needed to be. Um, and it kind of, you know, I was angry. I was angry about the loss. Um, and it, it changed my perspective in the negative way about, you know, what I'm just going to do what I want to do kind of thoughts, you know, cause life is short, you know, and that yeah. led to me having, you know, some grave misunderstandings about where happiness comes from, Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not happiness is, uh, you know, pr- particularly in the context of marriage, you know, I, 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 my marriage had reached a point where, you know, we were, we had a lot of disappointments and some disconnects and, and, you know, I, I fell into the, the, uh, and I've, I've written about this on in Facebook. I have a, a, a Facebook page called uh, man with heart. And, uh, and I, I wrote about, uh, and I've been open about, you know, uh, that look for love in the wrong place, you know, um, yeah. did the, the cliche thing of connecting with a, an old girl from high school and having inappropriate, uh, communication. And that led to, uh, you know, uh, uh, ultimately further destruction of my marriage. It led to a divorce and, um, you know, um, so I believe that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of what happened in that period of time was a reaction to the grief that I was not really well processing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just, like I said, some bad, bad ideas about happiness and how yeah. to find it in your life and all of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows how things can spiral after loss. And absolutely the, the link I would join also is like you, you've, you experience you had a best mate at 17 and then he passes and then you find a, another best mate, not yeah. a replacement, but someone who right. kind of plays well, a similar role. And, and not a, like, this is my experience with grief. It's not just the grief of losing that person, but it's the, everything that relates to past experiences of loss. So you're not just yeah. the eight years would have been magnified by the fact that you you probably didn't grieve properly at 17. Yeah. And now it's well, all coming. Yeah. Well, yes. And, and I, I think too, it's the grief of how your life changes, you know, remember yeah, that I said, point. you know, we were thinking about things we were going to do, you know, musically and, and, you know, and, and this involved, you know, not just me, but my, my uh, ex-wife, you know, she was a, a very accomplished singer. She won a, a national singing show right around that same period of time yeah. um, before his cancer um, we, she had a, got a record deal, uh, with a, a major record label, had a little tour and then the recession hit, uh, 2008, 2009, uh, which was hugely impactful, um, in every business. 
And we found ourselves, you know, initially, because we had been building towards this, this record deal thing um, since she was 17. You know, we had played, you know, lots of, of gigs and, and done lots of recordings. And, uh, and with the dream being that, hey, one day she's going to hit it big and, you know, I'll play piano for her and that will be our life. And we'll, you know, all of our, you know, we will, we will have won the, the lottery, if you will. Yeah, and yeah. what happened was the record company decided not to do anything at all with her. They released us and, uh, and, you know, there was no, no, no more success in that, in that particular arena. Um, and so that was something new that the grief of that coincided with Kevin's death. And, um, you know, and so it was kind of like all these things mixed together. It was, it was a compounding and, um, you know, and then then grieving, you know, not only the actual things that happened, but grieving bad choices around the, those periods of time. You know, failure to pre- prepare for not making it, uh, you know, uh, failure to understand, you know, what was, you know, appropriate for me, you know, at the time, you know. And then, you know, then later, you, you know, uh, uh we, we actually remarried and went through another period of time where, you know, there was infidelity on her side. And, and um, you know, we just, we both were just ill-equipped to handle. And she grieved over Kevin, too. Kevin was also her mentor and friend. And, um, you know, it was just, it was, there was a lot of stuff. We, we learned so much from it, but, but it, it uh it definitely grief. It was just an overwhelming thing for, it seemed to go on for years, you know? Mm. So the, the point you make there around um, this, all these plans for the future that you had taken away, like that's such a big one, isn't it? Like yeah. you feel, you feel ripped off. Like you had all these plans and now through no fault of your own, they're taken away. That yeah, that's one of the hardest things to deal with. Is that, has that been your experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I think that it's coming to terms with a lot of things of, you know, a sense of entitlement, for example, you know, Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I, I love the, the idea of grace, you know, and that really we're not entitled to anything, you know, and that, that, you know, it's by the grace of God that, you know, that things aren't worse or, you know, uh, or, you know, it, and then it's also about, um, it's so much about perspective, you know, I mean, one of the things I mentioned earlier about happiness and misunderstanding happiness, you know, recently, recent years, I've really come to understand that happiness comes from within me and I can be happy in the worst circumstance. If I, I can be happy that I understand the worst circumstance that I can see that there's a problem that needs to be solved, that I, that I'm taking the first step, you know? So it's not, happiness is, is a part of the journey. It's not the destination again, you know, success is not the destination. It's the journey, you know? And I think that, um, the more that I see that, um, you know, and, you know, I, I was fortunate. I, I got to work with Tony Robbins a little bit and I learned about changing your state. Um, you know, I've had a weird kind of amazing life in that, you know, after my wife went through the, the the shit the television th- show thing we did a, a television show with tony robbins called breakthrough with tony robbins 
Wow. And I worked with him directly for 45 days filming that show and, and, you know, one-on-one with him and, and, um, you know, learning about, uh, that we really do have so much control over wh- how we're perceiving things and, and what we're more, more so than we think. We don't have any control over things that happen to us. I had no control over Kevin Walker dying or a record company giving up or marital infidelity, uh, you know, not on her side or whatever. I had, I had no control over that, but I have a control over my perspective about those things, about my response, you know, and, and instead of um, reacting, you know, that was the other thing, learning to respond instead of react, you know, yeah, um, great point. I think, I think that's, that's taking ownership of your emotional connection to what is happening to you. Oh, yeah, I love that. Can you, can you recall in those really tough times there when, when everything was falling apart, like what sort of state were you in? Oh man, you know, most of the time, uh, self, you know, uh, uh, just feeling like, you know, like I'm a screw up, you know, it was self, you know, uh, uh, tearing myself down, um, angry at myself. You know, I, again, it's back to what I said is that I, I think that, um, things that I, I don't really take on a victim kind of mentality very much in whatever happens. Um, uh, and, and I don't know how that developed, but it, it, I just, I honestly believe that most bad things that happened to me um, were because I failed to do something that I could do better next time. Um, You know, so, uh, but there definitely were dark times. I mean, you know, when I went through the divorce, you know um, you know, she was very angry at me. I, I ended up, you know, having to move out into a little place where, where, you know, she, she took my business away from me initially, you know, we, we fixed all that later, but um, I didn't know what to do. I felt completely hopeless and lost and, and such a train wreck. My business was, you know, I didn't have my business now. What am I going to do? I had to sell a truck that I, that I had to finish a job so we could get, we could get paid for it. I had, you didn't even have a vehicle at that time, you know? And, uh, you know, she was, she was vindictive for a bit and, you know, rightly so now I would say that now, but you know, then it really hurt, you know? And, um, but, uh, I remember, you know, like the only thing I could think to do was just get up and go do the dishes. And that for me, that for me was kind of that, that learnt te- teaching myself that I can be happy by taking a step, even if the only step I can see is to get off my couch and, and, and my depression and go over to the dishes and wash the dishes. At least I did something positive, you know? Yeah. Wow. Did, just thinking about like you, you, what your ex, uh, experience was with your stepfather do you think that would come from just watching him? Like I imagine if he was quite stoic, he would have been battling some inner demons, but he just kind of got on with it. Right. He, he, he threw himself into action. He was always about discipline and he, he made discipline, you know, uh, very, uh, like it's second nature for him. And discipline was very difficult for me 
you know, uh, I love discipline. I still struggle with it today, you know, but I, I do things to try to, to teach myself. I mean, I, I take a cold shower every day. Um, you know, I don't like cold showers, but I, but I found that when I, the more I did that, that, wow, I can, you know, I'm teaching myself discipline. You know, I, I discipline myself to work out every day, you know? Um, you know, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, I do have this innate thing that I'm trying, still trying to work through for myself is that if I perceive that I might not win, I don't always, uh, and, and if that, even if that perception is not right, um, I might bail out of the battle thinking, no, oh, I need to go choose another battle. You know, that's a better opportunity. You know, what opportunity cost am I doing by slogging through this thing I'm doing right now? Um, when it seems like I'm not going to make it. And I think that that's not served me well. I think that mm. sometimes it, it's, it, you know, and there, I, I think that um, I think sometimes you have to stick it through even when you can't see the win at the end yet. That, that said, you do, you know, it might be good to have a good mentor or someone that loves you help you understand when it is time to pivot to something else. Yeah. You know, like the guy that, that wants to be a professional musician and just never, it's just not, it doesn't really have the talent or discipline. If he's really honest with himself, he hasn't worked that hard, you know, at it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's just dream, living a pipe dream. You know, I, one like, quick thing, I, I worked for a piano store for a short period of time that was in the process of going out of business the entire time I worked there, yeah. ultimately did. And, but I, you know, I, I, it served me because I wanted to be making my money playing music at that time. And so I could sit in this music store that was completely dead, but because I was around pianos, I was working in the music world. Right. But <laughs> nice. I didn't make any money. You know? yeah, yeah. And I did that for almost four years, you know, with, with my wife saying, you know, why are you there? Get out of there. You know, it was serving a purpose. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, but that led me to the roofing business, by the way. As a friend of mine said, you know, you can sell, you ought to work in roofing. I'm like, I don't know anything about roofing and we'll teach you. you know? And cool. that's, yeah, I made yeah. more money in the first seven months than I'd made in four years of working at the bank. <laughs> wow. All right. We're going to yeah. come back to that, but I wanted to ask yeah. something about what you were talking about before, because this is something that I've learned the hard way around being a parent uh, to young athlete and it's if we if as parents we celebrate achievement and medals and winning then we create this situation where the child thinks that that's that's the most important thing and exactly Mm -hmm. like you described if i can't win then i will move on to something that's easier so i can win and there's like studies around how they they've they get a large group of children. One gets celebrated for their achievement and the other one gets celebrated for their effort. And of course, the ones who excel in the next steps are the ones who are praised for effort because it's the, the word you mentioned before. It's the part they can control. Right. So if you look back to that, to that upbringing, does, does that resonate for you? Would you have been celebrated for the achievement rather than for how much effort you were putting in? Or was that something you placed on yourself? Well, I don't know, you know, this is deep psychological stuff sometimes to me, you know, I mean, 
it's all in, you know, like I, I had a, my mom was always about, you know, doing a great job and I'm so proud of you. And, and, um, and, you know, she, she did praise me for whatever efforts that I was making and didn't, didn't, didn't ignore when I accomplished anything. Those were good too. But I think primarily teaching that the, the process was more important than the, the result. But, you know, I think sometimes I, I think I would sometimes look at my mom's praise of me or, you know, because I knew deeply that she loved me. She was never let me down. And so there was a sense that it, it kind of came easy to earn her praise. Whereas my dad and even my stepdad, you know, like, uh, and I'll, I'll go back to this just set, but I think that I didn't get that from them. So it made it more important to me to try to get it from them. And then I would yeah, look yeah. at it at, as the rejection, you know, th- there was a rejection in, in that he left our family and then, and then he just wasn't really involved in me. I mean, you know, he was Disney dad. Well, every once in a great while I would see him, we would literally go to Walt Disney world, you know, but yeah. he wasn't there in the day to day or the, you know, or all the important things, but and then my stepdad, you know, he was a musician and I was a musician. We played the same instruments, trombone at the time. And, um, you know, he uh, and then I was fooling around with singing and playing a little bit, too. And and he would just kind of just always tell me he needed to work harder or he'd be focused on the discipline part of it. Work on your scales or you need to, you know, it was always he was teaching but he wasn't really giving me any kind of positive. Wow. You're, you're doing something incredible or you, you got real talent or, and it wasn't until I was 31 and he invited me to a karaoke bar yeah. and my dad was a great singer too. And my stepdad was a great singer too. And um, he invited me to a karaoke bar, something he'd never done ever before. Yeah. So I, okay. And I went and I, and I came and I sang and, um, and he was very complimentary. He was like, wow, you know, you, you sound fantastic and you should be doing this. You know, you're, you know, you're, and your, uh, your piano playing is really good too. And I'm like, wow, dad, I literally said to him, wow, dad, how come you never said this to me when I was, you know, in high school, I, I, you know, I might've really, and he said, he said, sometimes dads need to learn how to talk to their kids. Oh, yeah. I, it was that simple. And I was like, I was like, wow, well, thank you for encouraging me now. And he did encourage me the next, you know, years. He encouraged me, came to my gigs. You know, uh, I ended up uh, playing a couple of gigs with him, playing piano for him, playing trombone and singing. And, How you know, and it changed our older life. But he had to get old and, and mellow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, got, you know? I got some goosebumps through that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's so true, isn't it? Like, Yeah. Sorry, you going to say something then? No, no, I'm I'm just agreeing with you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so true. Even as parents, no matter how much work we've done ourselves, we're still learning different things and still, um, yeah. and still looking for better ways to do things. And and you've described that that you're someone that's that you're a you're a lifelong learner. So now you've got yeah. five boys of your own. Yeah. What do you, what have you do? You ever agree? That, are you you're a dad, right? Yeah, that's right. I got two. Yeah. Got two kids. Yeah. Do you, do you ever, you know, you're, you've segued to our kids, you know, um, you know, I've, I've got five boys age 16 to 24 
Uh, we got two bonus boys uh, with my second wife. They're 23 and 24. And so between the two of us, seven. Um, one all of, boys. You know, all boys. Yep, all boys. And um, the one of the other things I think, you know, I, I've tried to be a great dad, uh, often kind of, you know, sort of the, the uh, learning things from both of my dads, if you will. Um, some of the negatives to not do, you know, like, like trying to be more present, you know, um, of all the things I learned from Tony Robbins, the, the greatest thing I learned from him was the words be present, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, that's a lot of it. Right. But, you know, I, I do, you know, one of the other grief struggles I have is, is my grief over selfish choices and, mistakes that I made throughout my kids upbringing, particularly that time that led to the divorce of, of their parents, you know, Um, both of us, you know, today I'm so fortunate. We're all fortunate in that, you know, my ex and I we're we're both remarried. Uh, We, we get along great. We co we've co-parented very well since we divorced in 20, uh, 2013. Um, But, but we've, uh, but I still feel, um, I mean, I even, you know, I, I shared a lot of things with my kids um, when they were very young. There were a couple of them I would talk to about what I was going through or feeling at the time. I just, I was hurting and I, I needed to talk, you know. And so, so there were times when I overshared with them for what they were ready for, you know. Yeah, right. Um, you know, also you know, I grieve the example, you know, I know a lot of really fantastic men um, that have been, you know, uh, faithful husbands and family first. And, um, you know, and, and I didn't make those choices early on. I'm that way today and they see it. And I love that, you know, my, my 20 year old son, uh, uh, 21 in December, he just got engaged. He's getting married next year. And he and his girlfriend told us that my second wife and I are a great example to them. And I've been with her for nine years now. That's cool. Um, That we're a great example about marriage and and love. And, you know, and I, it was so healing for me to have them say that because I was carrying a lot of grief, um, you know, knowing that I, you know, I, I do give myself a pass and that I understand that I don't always know everything and that sometimes I'm doing the best I can with what I'm working with at the time. Yeah. But I also know I'm willing to own, you know, my own shortcomings and my own uh, self-centeredness and, and the, the negative kinds of things that we all try to grow out of. Um, I, you just never want your child you love your kid. You don't want you don't want to be the reason they're scarred. And yet, no matter how how hard we try, we're gonna scar our kid in some way. We're gonna yeah. yell at them or do something stupid or be a bad example. Yeah. But I I hope what my boys see in me now is is their dad is working to overcome challenges, to correct the mistakes that he's made, to own them wholeheartedly. Um, and to make amends where those are possible um, and just go forward. I'm, I'm, I do, honestly, I think I'm a great husband to my second wife. I, I work at it. You know, I want her to feel loved and cherished and, 
you know, and, and never doubt, doubt my uh, faithfulness or, or any of those things. And, and you, you do that by doing those things, you know, yeah. and, and it, it's not always easy. You know, every day we all, it's, we're human. So it's not always easy, you know, yeah. but um, I'm passionate about being the best I can be of me. And I'm, I fall so short, you know, and I'm, I, I you know, I'm still young enough and energetic enough that I that I can still work towards what I want in life. But, you know, I'm also cognizant of the fact that I'm not getting any younger, you know. And, yeah. you know, so I don't have lots of do-overs to do anymore, you know. It's time to, to, to you know, move forward and do what I need to do to, to overcome grief and, and past mistakes and, and, you know, and accept that I'm human and forgive myself yeah. and just do better, you know? But one last thing I'll say, and I'll, you know, I've, I've been ranting, but, you no, know, Maya great. Angelou uh, famously said that, you know, you, when, you, uh, when you knew what you knew, you did what you could, but when you knew better, you did better. And of course I'm tearing up that quote, but I, I love that, the, the idea of what, of what she said there. And that's, I live by that too. Fantastic. Yeah, what what you described there, I think most parents face at some point is the thought of have I done untold damage to my children by <laughs> by my behaviours? Right, and it's normal because, as you said, we are going to inflict some sort of trauma or or setbacks on them from our behaviour. But ultimately, yep. what you described is the only way forward. Is if you keep working on yourself and then you become a role model of change. Yeah, I have experienced that then that allows them to take that forward to their adult life. And and I'm sure you've seen this too with your children. Like, yes, they've got their challenges, but the the proudest moments is like, despite those challenges, they they have the ability to overcome them that, that well, yeah. for me personally, that I never had. And that's my greatest gift to them is that I've been able to do the work and, and role model that. And yes, you've got challenges, but that also allows them to be leaders in the community, no matter what, no matter what they decide to do, because they they have this ability and and they pass that knowledge on to friends. They just they can't help but doing it just by being themselves. Has that been right. your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think too, it helps. You know, I think to be empathetic for towards other people. You know, I, I used to tell my kids when they were really young that, you know, the, the most valuable skill that I thought they could learn was empathy for others, you know, really, you know, learn how to, how to understand what other people are going through. And I think, you know, I think that, um, I think making mistakes and, and owning those mistakes and then taking corrective action and not just wallowing in whatever mess you've created, regardless of the size of the mess, is a valuable tool to teach your kids, you know, to see by example that you can do better and you can have better, you know, and that, and it's not always going to be a big result, you know, like I'm not where I want to be financially. Um, you know, I'm still recovering. I, I believe from decisions I made in 2009 related to the not being prepared for the recession, you know, not, not seeing it coming like a lot of people, um, not, not even, you know, one of the, the other uh, fallout from making a train wreck of your personal life is that you don't focus well on your business life. 
And there was, there was, you know, a good four year chunk where I wasn't focused on business. I was focused on crazy search for happiness and the drama I was creating and all of that. And so, but my kids are seeing every day, they're, they're seeing me work hard and they're seeing me continuing to try to come up with new ideas and, and, you know, uh, opening my mind to new opportunities. And that's a great teacher, you know, even if I don't benefit from all of it, they will. And that's the ultimate goal for any parent is that we're helping them go further down the continuum at a, hopefully a better level than we were avoiding our mistakes and learning from them and, and basically leveraging whatever positives we have into something even more positive. That's what I hope. Yeah. Fantastic. So with that wisdom, what have you been able to pass on to, to your boys as they've transitioned from school into the next phase of their life about them making choices for their future? Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the world, and I, I feel like the old man sometimes when I, when I say something like this, but I think it's everyone's feeling, the world's becoming way more complicated you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's moving very quickly uh, with technology like AI. You're, we're going to have job displacements. We're going to have uh, cultural shifts. There's already, there's huge cultural shifts anyway um, with, you know, uh, polarized politics and, you know, wokeism and, and you know, different, uh, regardless of, of your perspective on it. It, we're all we're all looking at change occurring and, and at an accelerating yeah. rate. And I think that, you know, it used to be when my dad was, you know, the dad of a young person, he might have said to me, get a great job, stay there for 40 years, get a pension, you know, and then retire and, and live your life and happily ever after. And then, you know, then it became, you don't stay in the same job. And then it's, you know, now we're talking about, you you know, universe, you know, some kind of universal basic income, you know, in the United States, you know, or even maybe Australia. I don't know. But AI is going to displace jobs, maybe to the extent that, that the world has to look at that, you know. But so it, it can make it difficult to kind of uh, to, to know what to say to the kids, you know. But I think the, the fundamental things about, you know, working, work, not quitting. You know, I, I don't quit. You know, that's one thing. Again, it's back to the movie Rocky. You know, he does, doesn't quit. You know, even when it looked like he was going to lose, he even lost, you know. And the, the, the point is that uh, I think that, that it, it, it's getting back to basics like having a work, work ethic, believing in yourself, improving yourself, um, understanding that we are human, human beings are about connection to others and we cannot live solely. We need each other. And so to, to the extent that you develop your people skills as much as possible to learn, to really care about other people, to have an, a, a heart of service to others, uh, because, you know, like it or not, we're a value exchanging kind of, of, of entity, and so yeah. we, we, we get, we get when we give, we get, you know, and so I think um, those fundamental principles, helping them see it, hopefully seeing it by not just my words, but my actions will lead to a better work experiences or starting their own business or whatever they want to do. 
and better relationships with their spouses and so on. You know, that's what I want. And and to, yeah. to the extent that you create a life that, um, you know, and then focus, focusing where, where you're creating a life where you're being present in, in the moment and appreciating those moments rather than always living in some imagined hopeful future, make the most of right now, you know, like right now I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm talking to you. I, I was, I'm excited about this. You know um, I think I'm, I'm going to do a deeper dive into what you're doing. Cause I'm, I, you know, I've been looking for uh, a kind of a way to deal with my own grief better. And I think for a long time as men, we don't know, sometimes what the, you know, what we're supposed to do about that, you know, well, just suck it up, you know, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and uh, it, th- that doesn't work. You, you, you can't just suck it up. You got to address it and you got to, you got to heal where you need to heal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you raised so many great points there. Uh, there's a couple of things that really stood out. One was uh, you mentioned, you talked about communication and people and we need each other. This is why right. AI will have a, a purpose but it, it can it can never replace that human connection. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I don't know if you're familiar with Lewis Howes, and he had a guy on. Yeah, very, and, um, yeah. And, he, and he was talking about, you know, AI, and he said, AI may be able to write the, the greatest story ever told, but it will never be able to write the greatest story never told. And I'm like, yeah, wow. Like wow. you can look back at past, but it can't, yeah. it can't yeah, predict. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah, AI is just a it just it just knows how to go out there and scrape all of what everything that's happened, and it can fashion it in different ways. But yeah, you're right. That's it's that human element of creativity that we're it's not going to happen with machines for any any near future, if at all. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love that you, you talked about those those skills, people skills. Now, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, there'll be different skills that you'll need to have. They're far more important for your children to know how they're going to be able to navigate the future interacting with people than anything else. So I love that. And you're an expert. I would say you're an expert in this area from what you've described, which is why I wanted to get back to where you talked about you went into a roofing game that you knew nothing about. So I'd love for you to describe how you you learned all that you needed to learn and how you became good at that really quickly by by having those uh, listening skills, I imagine, communication skills. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about it and, and, uh, is that when I first started uh, in, it was 1998, and I was invited to the roofing business by a friend um, who had uh, been successful in it. And uh, the, the, the type of business it was is that they, they went, to places all over the country whenever there was a, a large hailstorm they would chase that storm yeah so you're called storm chasers yeah uh, and and they would go repair and the first opportunity i had was to leave texas and go to bowling green kentucky a relatively small community who had been hammered by by hail and go sell and you know it's almost a wild wild west kind of a job in that you know, everyone's uh, commission, it's all, you know, very almost mercenary, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's no clear, uh, like, uh, corporate structure and, and training manuals and all of that. Uh, you know, there wasn't certainly in that at that time. And so, you know, I just loaded up my truck and 
and went to Bowling Green and I got there and nobody had time to train me. You know, the, the salespeople that knew what they were doing, they didn't want to drag along a newbie because that might make them lose their deal. You know, because <laughs> now, you know, I got this, you know, newbie guy here and now, you know, it changes yeah. the dynamic of the sale. I don't want to do a ride along with somebody. And so, and also I had been hearing about how much money people were making in it. And so I, it, it sounded like unbelievable to me a little bit. Yeah. And it, it was it some kind of scam or I don't, what are we doing here? You know? And, and, um, and no one was really willing to spend the time that I needed, you know, at least like no one had the, the, the book open for me and here's the, the training path. I mean, I'd worked for large co- corporate companies with, you know, Xerox training uh, classes and, you know, uh, lots of investment in ongoing training. And so it was weird to go work for a company and there was no one that was telling you what to do, you know? Just thrown in the deep end. And, and so I kind of wandered around for three weeks, you know, before I started making any sales, just trying to figure it all out, you know? Yeah. But, I could have easily just quit and said, you know, this is not going to work out or this isn't real or whatever. But again, I didn't really have anything else. And I, and I thought I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. I'm going to figure it out kind of person. And I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to win. And I did, I just started doing it my way and it worked, you know, and, and, you know, I never looked back and, you know, uh, three years later I was running, I, I managed the operations for that company in new Orleans. Um, we had, uh, 22 salesmen and 15 roofing crews and we did 10 and a half million dollars in a year. Wow. And I, I learned how to run a roofing company. And then we, had, we started having our, uh, our kids. I had our second child in new Orleans. We wanted to go back to Texas we were done. And then I, I had my first grief situation in the roofing business in that the owner of the company decided not to pay most of the people at the very end. I, oh. I, I, I lost $10,000. The guy that I worked for lost 250,000. He basically turned out to be a, a kind of a crook and he took our money and, and built hotels with it. What? And so, which was really sad because the, the dream was that we were going to, when that storm ended and we were going to get the next storm, that me and the guy that I worked with who was, had kind of become my partner, uh, we're going to do our own thing with the, using the seed money that he was going to get from the owner of the, this big company we had been at. And all of a sudden, not only did I not get $10,000, but I, that dissolved my friend, still my friend to this day, lost 250,000. He had to sell his house. The guy said, sue me, you won't win. You know, I mean, you know, so it was, you know, it was an awful experience. Right. But, uh, but anyway, I kind of lost my train of thought because I went off on a big tangent there. (laughs) It's all, it's all relevant, right? It's like, it's still describing what you had to overcome just, just to, to be where you're at now. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like everybody has unique experiences and some of them, you know, like sometimes I feel like the experiences I've had because of, you know, the, the record deal and Tony Robbins and all this kind of stuff, it, it can feel like, you know, like I, I've, I've talked to some people and they look at me like I have three years because it's like, how have you been through all of that kind of stuff? And I honestly don't know how I went through all that, but, but the bottom line is I'm no, you know, it's, 
it's just different kinds of experiences and different names. And, but we're all doing, going through the same thing. We're suffering disappointments and we're having to push through challenges and we're grieving losses that we didn't expect. And, you know, and, and that's the thing that does connect all of us as humans. Um, we, we all, and, and it's not, a, it's not, it's not always about the scale of the loss. You know, some people get through a loss that other people are devastated by. Yes. It doesn't invalidate, invalidate the person who's devastated just because it's easy for someone else, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I, I think, um, I used to want to make sense of all of it. Like there, there had to be some story arc that made sense and it doesn't, I, I, the older I get, the more I'm seeing it. It's the whole theme is you're just doing life and you have life experiences and you want to be fully present. So when they're positive, you can enjoy the ride. Um, and when they're negative, you can learn, look for the learn as much as possible. I love that Pitbull said that there's no epic failures. There's only epic learns, right? <laughs> I love you that. Know? I like uh, what you described there with Homer Simpson quote. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and it, it's so even that's all about perspective, too, because there's lots of people that think, you know, Tony Robbins is the guy with banana fingers and giant teeth, you know, <laughs> they, they don't value, you know, neuro linguistic programming or, you know, yeah, or, yeah. You know that other stuff, you know. Yeah. But but, you know, it's uh, I mean, just we're just all just doing stuff and we're doing life and we're trying to learn and we're trying to grow. And and at the end of the day, you know, nobody's going to care when I die how much money I have or what I did for a living, they're going to care how much I love someone or how much, how much I was there for them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I feel the same way about the people I'm surrounding myself with, you know, I'm so lucky. Social media has been fantastic. You know, I've met some really wonderful people since 2007 and, and, uh, you know, large, I love this platform, (laughs) you know, all these platforms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. (laughs) I love it. Um, you said you've got I feel, a bit more. Well, I, I, I was going to say, I feel, I feel uh, like I, wanna, I want to know a lot more about you. I've been talking all about me, but I understand that's what we're, what we're doing here. But that's why I'm saying I'm going to do a deep dive and hopefully yeah, well, we can talk more. Absolutely. For someone who's used to doing the conversation, right, it can be hard to, to make yourself the center of attention. I had one guest say, oh, I need to interview you, and that's what I did. Uh, so an episode uh, that will go out a week or two before this one was exactly yeah. that. They interviewed me on my story. And, and it's weird because it's like I, my, my initial reaction was to, to be wanting to ask questions back as well. Um, yeah. And I think that just comes part and parcel with that, that being that communicator that that goes that way so uh, i yeah. get what you're saying there um, well, it's just a genuine interest too i i love people yeah, and yeah. I, I love to learn and i learn from them and yeah. and i just you know I, i'm inspired by their you know your stories and and you know it's we're just I, I that's the that's the beauty of this kind of thing is learning about other people you know absolutely and and it's like any tool it's like you can paint a lot of negative pictures around it but when you find the positives in it then you're you're always going to win so yeah i love that particularly for us extroverts who love to connect with people um Uh so many of the guests talk about how sometimes it's easier going through things yourself than having to be the person there 
observing or being there for someone going through it. So you've been through a heap of stuff, but in more recent times, you, you've had to be there for your wife through some pretty challenging physical conditions and ailments. So with, we want to acknowledge that she's got some pretty challenging stuff, but I'd love to hear from your perspective how hard that has been for you to be continue to be strong when you're watching someone that you love so much go through such tough times. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, my, my wife's name is Jenny, and, uh, you know, Jenny has had uh, psoriatic arthritis since she was 28. Um, you know, she, she can't close her hand. Um, she had to have back fusion surgery, uh, this summer. Um, you know, she's, she, she deals with chronic pain all of the time Mm. and, um, and she does it with grace and courage. You know, she's a, she's a fighter. She, she likes to talk about that. She comes from Vikings, Viking stock, you know, she's got Swedish, Swedish in her and, and, um, you know, so she, she's also very headstrong, a woman in that, you know, she doesn't want to be told that she can't do this or can't do that. Um, you know, it's, um, but you know, it, it takes a lot out of her. You know, she, she's tired a lot. She goes to bed, you know, at eight o'clock at night, you know, a lot of times, um, we can't, you know, we can't do a lot of the things that she'd want to do, like maybe go to a concert or whatever, um, just cause she just can't handle it, it physically. And so it's just, it just has led me to want to provide as many great experiences for her as I can, you know? Uh, and also it's required me to slow down my life, my, my external life. Yeah. Um, and I used to grieve that a bit, you know, more, um, because I don't want to ever do anything without her. You know, I don't like to go out. I'm not going to go out without her or anything like that, unless I'm just yeah. going to go support one of my kids, you know, as a musician or they're all my kids are musicians too. So I'll go, I, I went last night. <laughs> yeah. I went last night to watch my son play drums and guitar, you know, he, awesome. he invited me and I, I showed up. So, yeah. but, um, but then, you know, it's, it's helped me. It's that be present thing, you know, enjoy the little things, enjoy life, you know, more so. I think too. Um, so, so there's a lot of positivity wrapped around that. There's not a lot of sadness about that. You know, I feel for her that she has to go through pain, you know, uh, and I, I you know, I, it, it's, it's tough. I, I worry about, you know, the pain medication that she's on and things like that. I worry about her future, you mm-hmm. know, um, but I'm hopeful that, you know, things get better um, with, with technology and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, it's also been difficult. You know, my uh, oldest son uh, uh, went through, has dealt with some, uh, a little bit of mental illness issues and, and uh, tied together with a, a psychotic break um, using marijuana. Um, and we, we went through two different stages with that. His story's out there and, and he's, he's okay with talking about it, but yeah. you know, some of that's just trying to balance b- between giving him all the support that he needs to get him where he needs to go. And at the same time, practicing letting go and letting him at 24 years old, get on with figuring out what he's going to do with his life, you know? And, um, you know, he's a great musician, um, like, like very, very gifted. He's a, a piano player like me, but he, he can play circles around, around me, he's a great jazz pianist, but, and he's a painter, also an artist, 
but he doesn't have the piece about how to make a life out of those things work yet. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, he's having to, you know, face some realities about, you know, how are you going to make a living and, and what are you going to do, you know, and he's having to do, do things he doesn't want to do and he's not dealing with that well, you know, so that can be, that can be a, a, a struggle thing. And, you know, and, and again, it's that thing, what did I do to create, did I set this situation up? You know, you know, did I fail in some way to be, be there for me? He was the oldest. Did he get the brunt of me not being the greatest dad for two, two less years, you know? So yeah, I don't yeah. Know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the normal, normal conversations with self that we have as parents when, when things don't go exactly as it planned, even, even some minor things too, we still, we still look <clears throat> introspectively. So I think, I think what you described there is normal. Yeah. Not a thing, but I know it, I know it is. True. Um, and again, it's just an opportunity for us to, to continue to be a, a role model and, and, and guide them as they require because some of them don't want our guidance as much as, as we would hope um, yeah. and, and just be that role model of, yeah, what, what is possible. And it sounds exactly. like you're really, really doing that. Now, you described at the start a whole lot of words that really struck me as important for you. And, and I'd love to hear more about your future from from not necessarily a business perspective, but the impact you'd love to see in the world around, you talked about your, your creative elements, the, the uniqueness of you, the, you know, exploring the strengths and, and weaknesses and, and particularly through your, your natural skill of being the, the people person and the communicator. What, what do you see for the positive impact that you can have on the future of this world through those key things, the important things to you? Well, I think that I've always had it kind of in the back of my mind that I, that I would be interested in, in helping other people like through some type of being a mentor or a coach or, but I, I often felt like I, I didn't put enough of the, of the pieces together of success, you know, hmm. um, you know, it's, but I, I don't think I understood that really. I think that, that we live in a world where people really value uh, transparency and authenticity absolutely way more than they used to. Maybe, maybe they always did, but definitely social media with a lot of fake, you know, my life is fantastic, you know, kinds of presentations have led people to hunger for, uh, people to come alongside them that might be going through a journey themselves. Um, you know, maybe they might be a little bit ahead, might've learned something, but not necessarily know everything yet. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I mean, it's the reason why I'm doing this podcast and I've done a few other podcasts too, is that I, I do think that, that some of my experiences, um, the, even the really painful ones and the bad mistakes and so on, um, there's value to be extracted by helping others, even if you're a cautionary tale, you know? (laughs) And I think that, uh, uh, I think that it also reminds me uh, as I'm doing it, that, that I have overcome things and that I have learned from it. And that, that feels good to revisit that feeling that, Hey, you know, you screwed up, but you fixed it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think going forward, um, you know, I, I think there's, uh, there's writing in my future. There's, you know, doing videos. There might be a, a podcast, uh, you know, kind of thing myself. 
um, just just to to try to to be out there and, and share. I think in the moment I'm focused on really trying uh, to to build my business um, up to a good momentum so that I can you know uh, look at at some kind of retirement down the line. Um, you know, so right now that's what I'm primarily focused on. And then just getting my kids aged out, you know, the, my youngest is 16. So we're, we've got two in high school. So we're getting, we're getting done with that first, but then after that, I'm going to be looking for things to get, to be out there. I want to interact with more people and learn more things too. So. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, from everything you've described and everything you've overcome, well, I see great things for, for whatever that looks like, just from your ability to communicate now and, and yeah, to be able to share those lessons that you, that you're all are doing. So um, I'll be Thanks watching so much, that with, with great interest, Rick. Such a fantastic chat, Rick. And, and like you just described then, like everything that, that you've been able to pass on about how you've overcome what you've overcome and the lessons and the positivity that you've brought out of that so much value for the listeners. And I thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing Rick. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, I really am grateful for this experience and, and I, I really do hope we talk again soon and, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive into what, what else you're doing. I'm going to check it out. So good stuff. I'm excited. I look forward to it. Good man. All right. Thanks, Rick. All right, brother. Speak to you soon. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.